Have you ever done something that required a good bit of work, some pretty serious labor, and then something happened? It was hard, it was hard work, you really put forth some legitimate effort, and then something happened that just sort of wiped it out, completely ruined it. I've known of some instances where fellows, for instance, were sealing their blacktop driveways. You know, that's, that's a hot, nasty, dirty job. And about the time you get done, up springs an unexpected thunderstorm and washes that all off. And, and so all of your, your work was for nothing, completely in vain, and now you have it to do over again. Uh, that's, that's discouraging. Or maybe you were painting your house, fellas, and again, a, uh, a rainstorm came up that you weren't anticipating and it washed off what you just put on. Now you have to do that over your labor was for nothing. It was in vain. Maybe you women could relate better if we talked about you preparing some uh, very elaborate recipe in the kitchen, something that took a lot of work and effort, uh, and you, you have prepared this beautiful dish, and as you're carrying it to the table to serve it, you stumble and fall and dump it on the floor, and all that work you did was for nothing. So those kind of... Now, I hope that probably everybody here can relate to that in, in one way or another. Those are very discouraging, disappointing kinds of situations. Everything is in vain, good for nothing, worthless, uh, accomplishes nothing. Have you ever worried that your religion might be that way? That you put forth some real effort, you, you, you struggle, you try hard, you're doing your best to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. And by the way, Living a faithful Christian life is not just like falling off a log. If you're going to really be a faithful Christian, you're going to have to put forth some real effort. And you're working at it, and you're trying hard, you, 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 you're striving to be the best that you can be in service to God. Have you ever worried that after putting forth all of that work and effort, that your labor might be in vain or good for nothing? Well, we want to talk about that this morning. Because actually the Word of God makes a promise to us that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And we want to talk about that this morning. It's a wonderful promise. It's just an incredible thing that God tells us, you work, you do my will, you serve me, it will not be in vain. That's a great promise, a comforting promise from God. But there are some conditions attached to that promise. And we want to look at those as well in our lesson today. We stop here for just a minute to add words of welcome to those that Lee already expressed. We're glad that you're here. And for our visitors today, thanks for coming. Uh, we hope you'll come back every time you have a chance. And we want you also to know that we are open to your questions. There may be something that you see in our worship today. Uh, as we worship together, you may observe something that seems odd to you or, or different. Or it may be something that you hear taught uh, as we study the Scriptures together. Maybe even something that you disagree about. And that's okay. We just ask you to bring that to our attention. Let us know if you have questions or even potential disagreements. Let us know. Because what we want to do is sit down together, open our Bibles, and search out the truth. Because we believe that if we are all open and, uh, and uh, simply will consider the truths in the Word of God, we can come to, a, a first of all, a, a right conclusion. And that would necessarily suggest that we would come to an agreement about what we should be doing in service to God. So if you have questions, by all means, ask them. Thanks to everyone for being here on this beautiful, beautiful Lord's Day morning in Middle Tennessee. 
Your labor is not in vain. Does it remind you of a verse? I suspect many of you have already been reminded of the verse that I want us to use as the basis of our study this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, Again, as I said, I think this is a well-known verse, and probably a number of you were already anticipating going to this verse just by one phrase out of that verse. But I really do think that this passage has a, a wonderful promise for us from God, but there are also some other things to consider in conjunction with the promise that God makes us. It tells us how we ought to be. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Have you thought about the word steadfast? Vine tells us that the root reference of that word steadfast has to do with a seat or a chair. A seat or a chair. Now, what, does, what is that about anyway? Well, it denotes being seated and metaphorically, Vine says, to being steadfast or morally fixed. You know, a, a person who's standing, maybe standing in a precarious position, he can be easily knocked off of that stance. But if he's sitting firmly and squarely in his chair, you're going to have a harder time. Which would you rather try to do? Knock down a fellow who's, who's standing sort of precipitously on the edge of, a, of a, a cliff or something? Or somebody who's sitting firmly in his chair? Well, it'd be harder to knock a guy off who's sitting firmly in his chair. And that's the, that's the suggestion of the word steadfast. The other word there, unmovable, is sort, of, is sort of redundancy, and that's very common in the way that uh, they wrote back in those times. Steadfast, unmovable. Vine says that the word unmovable, certainly to not move something away, to not remove oneself, not to shift. And Thayer says it means to be firmly persistent. Firmly persistent. So steadfast and unmovable. That's what the Lord is expecting of us. Um, what are, have you ever built something and maybe you didn't do a real thorough job in building it, the structure is kind of iffy, you know, and you say, well, I hope that, I hope that lasts. I hope that'll, I hope that'll stay up. I hope that won't fall down. But you have some suspicion that it might real sure. I hope it's okay, but I, uh, it, 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 might, it might not endure. Versus you built something and you built it like a rock. And you, you built it so strong, and I've even heard people say, well, the rest of this could all fall down, but that's going to stay there. That's not going to move. That's built like a rock, right? Which of those two scenarios would be just, should appropriately describe us as Christian? Steadfast and unmovable. We ought to be like that this is going to stand. Everything else around here may be gone, but this is going to be here. This is not moving, right? That, that describes the way that we ought to be as Christians. And there are some other places in the Scripture where this concept is used. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 37. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 37. Now, the context of 1 Corinthians 7 has to do with people marrying and avoiding sexual immorality. That's the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, and, and so in the context of being strong, 
determined. You're not going to allow yourself to be uh, tempted in, in, in these certain sorts of ways. And in that context, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 37, Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So he says, you know, he basically says there's nothing wrong with getting married, but if you, if you can be so determined in your heart that you can resist temptations without being married, then that's, that's a good thing too. But I just want you to notice, and now that's the immediate context of 1 Corinthians 7, but note just the concept that Paul states there. Steadfast in his heart, power over his own will, he will not be moved. That's the way we need to be about all things. We need to be that way about sexual immorality, but we need to be that way about all things. We are simply not going to be moved. We are, going to, we are determined to stay on course and do the will of God in our lives. Look in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. Colossians 1, verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, which was preached unto every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, made a minister. We use that verse a lot to talk about how the gospel spread there in the first century. But notice the first part of the verse. Continue in the faith, grounded, settled, moving not away from the hope of the gospel. That's the way that we need. Does that describe us? Do you, do you feel that that adequately describes you? Everything else can move. Everything else can be shaken. But your commitment to the Lord will not be moved. You are grounded and settled. Does that describe you? That's the way it needs to be. Uh, we labor for the Lord. It should not be a tense thing. It should not be the kind of, oh, maybe, I hope, I... I I'm pretty shaky here. I could go one way or the other. No. That should not describe us. We should be steadfast and unmovable. That needs to describe our commitment to the Lord. No matter what else happens, this is for sure. I will not be moved from this. I want to tell you something about that. You, you make that determination right now. You don't wait until you're in the throes of temptation. You don't wait until you're in the middle of a conflict or controversy before you make up your mind which way you're going to go. You make that, you make up your mind to that right now. We've been watching in the news as people in Florida prepare for this hurricane that's coming. You know what you do when there's, when you know that there's going to be a storm coming your way? You make preparations in advance. You don't wait until the wind's blowing and the rain's coming down before you start thinking about what you're going to do next. Even before, long before that, days before that, you, uh, you get plywood and you cover over the windows and, and you batten down the hatches, so to speak. You tie down everything loose that might get blown away. You don't wait till the storm hits to make your preparation. You prepare ahead. I, I heard in the news this week where a fight broke out at a Home Depot store down there in Florida because they were fighting over plywood. Fighting over plywood? What are you fighting over plywood for? Well, because you need plywood to, cover up things so they don't get blown out and blown away. They were making preparations. You prepare before the storm. And spiritually, we need to be that way too. How is your commitment to the Lord? Are you so determined in your commitment to the Lord that no matter what storm spiritually comes your way, you will not be moved? That's what God wants for us, and that's what we need to be doing. And I want to tell you, we're so much better off if we go that route if we make that determination, if we commit ourselves wholeheartedly 
If we will do that, uh, it's going to be so much easier in our lives. I'll tell you, the people, the people who are not thus committed, who do not already have their minds fully made up, they're the ones who are just out there being tossed to and fro in the spiritual storms of life. And, and, and they suffer for it. And there's a lot of grief and heartache that comes into life because you haven't made your mind up yet. Make your mind up. Steadfast. Unmovable. That's the way uh, that we need to be. Uh, that's what this verse is urging for us. And then the next expression, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Vine says the word abounding means to be, excuse me, Thayer says it means to be preeminent, to excel. Not just barely getting by, you're excelling in the work of the Lord. Vine says it means to be abundantly furnished. Uh, all of that would suggest that we're not just doing some work for the Lord, but actually we're doing our best. We're trying to overflow in work for the Lord. One uh, modern version says, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. What about us? Are we abounding in the work of the Lord? Overflowing? Are we excelling? Are we abundantly furnished in the work of the Lord? I'm afraid too often as Christians, our, our effort is to see what's the least I can get by with. Describe to me the bare minimum requirements because that's what I'm shooting for. I'm just shooting to just barely get by. You even hear people sometimes, and I, I think they're joking, but it's a sad joke to me. I don't need a mansion in heaven if I can just have a shack on the outskirts of town. That's all I need. I know it's just enough to sneak in the pearly gates. If I could just sneak in. I, I don't want to, I'm not going overboard here. I'm not going to try to overdo it. I just want to do the least that I have to do to get by. That's not always abounding in the work of the Lord. The bare minimum won't get the job done. That's not what God wants from us. He wants us all. He wants our complete commitment. He wants us to be overflowing in our work for Him. Colossians 2, verse 7. Colossians 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, Again, I want to suggest that this is the challenge for all of us. And the question being, does this really describe us? Does this describe us when it describes people who are abounding, rooted, built up? That's the way it needs to be. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you probably remember, was when Paul was urging the Corinthians to join in wholeheartedly in a financial contribution that was being made. And he was serving as a courier or a messenger. He was going among the churches and whatever various churches determined to give, he was going to take with him when he went back to Jerusalem. And so that's what Paul, that's what Paul was encouraging uh, the Corinthians to do. And in regards to that gift, that he says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So Paul actually commending the Corinthians and urging them to even do more, 
He says, ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, in all diligence. Well, that's a fine statement. That's a high commendation. They were abounding. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Skip over to chapter 9, and in verse 8, same context, same subject under consideration. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Abound to every good work. That's what we ought to, to be doing. Now, again, I think the challenge for us is to see if, if we really could use that kind of terminology to describe ourselves and our service to God. And by the way, wouldn't you agree with me that this is the kind of thing um, that you never have actually fully achieved? That this is, this is a target you keep striving for, but there's always more you can do? This is the kind of thing that you would never be able to say, well, I'm, I've done that. I've checked that off my list. I, I have already abounded in the work of the Lord. Now, this is, this is a, an ongoing effort, isn't it? In fact, that probably would be a worthy test for us all as Christians. So here I am today, and in my spiritual life, am I able to say that I am a stronger Christian than I was this time last year, and that I'm actually achieving more things to the glory of God today than I was a year ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago? If that's not, if that's not, possible if you if you really don't feel that way and you know yourself better than anybody else except God knows you God knows you better than you know yourself so he knows what your spiritual progress is but you know yourself well also and are you able to say I'm abounding in the work of the Lord I, and, and it's growing and I'm doing better now than I was in the past and I can and I'm and I determined to keep making more progress in service uh, to the Lord is that possible well that's the way it ought to be so we're steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then here's that promise. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. As I said earlier, if you put forth really hard labor in some particular thing that you're trying to get done, and then it gets wiped out, that's very discouraging. But the promise to us about our service to God is that if we will do our best, if we'll work hard, if we'll... Be steadfast, unmovable, always bound in the work of the Lord. It will not be in vain. You know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's a wonderful promise from God. God's part is certain. In regards to the fulfillment of this, God's part is certain. That's not going to change. You don't have to worry about that. There's no chance that he's going to, oh, change the rules. Look, oh, I've decided I'm going a different way. No. God's part is certain. And the question is, Will we fulfill our part? Look in Second uh, Peter, in Second Peter chapter one. You remember how the, this passage goes—a familiar passage to us. Second Peter one verse five. Besides this, giving all diligence, no, emphasize give diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. Notice, for if these things be in you and abound. There's that abounding again. If these things abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. 
Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's part is certain. It's up to us to give that diligence to make our calling and election sure. Your labor will not be in vain. We talk about this expression in vain a lot, and although that's probably not a term that we use too commonly in our modern language, we understand its meaning. It means good for nothing. But the promise is your labor is not good for nothing. The promise is that God will bless us abundantly if we faithfully do His will. What's your situation this morning? How is your life? Our lesson has been directed toward those of us who are Christians this morning. Uh, how are you doing, Christian? Are you steadfast and unmovable? Have you made that determination up already? You're not going to be moved no matter what happens in life. You're working hard, growing more and more, abounding in work for the Lord. Those are, those are the descriptives that ought to fit us. If you realize that that's not a very good fitting description of you, that in fact you have been doing other things and you have been going in the wrong direction in your spiritual life and you've not been faithful to the Lord as a Christian, you need to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. We'd be glad to uh, pray with you and for you this morning so that you can leave this place once again right in the sight of the Lord. If you need our help, let us know. If you're not yet a Christian, that simple plan for the salvation of our souls is this. Hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.